0: Individuals with unilateral upper limb amputation depend on their sound limb for daily activities, regardless of whether they use a prosthesis or not. However, upper limb prosthetic devices can be inefficient and uncomfortable and do not fully restore function, contributing to altered body mechanics and compensatory movements for those who do use them. Therefore, these individuals are at increased risk for contralateral limb pain as compared to the general population, in part because of overreliance on the sound limb and increased susceptibility to overuse injuries. Veterans with upper limb amputation are at even higher risk. Hi everyone, I'd like to welcome you to episode 14 of ONP Research Insights, presented by the American Academy of Orthodox and Prostus. I'm Dr. Steve Gard, Editor in Chief for the Journal of Prosthetics and Orthotics. This episode is sponsored by Autobot. My guest today is Dr. Linda Resnick, P.T., Ph.D., and a Catherine Worthingham Fellow of the American Physical Therapy Association. Dr. Resnick is a physical therapist by clinical background, a research career scientist at the Providence VA Medical Center and a professor of health services policy and practice at Brown University. She leads the focus area on restoring limb and sensory function within the Center for Neurotechnology and Neural Restoration at the Providence VA. Additionally, she is director of two rehabilitation research and training centers, LEARN, the Learning Health Systems Rehabilitation Resource Network, funded by NIH, and COSTAR, funded by the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research. Today we will be discussing a recent article that Dr. Resnick published in JPO entitled Contralateral Limb Pain is Prevalent, Persistent, and Impacts Quality of Life of Veterans with Unilateral Upper Limb Amputation. Welcome to the podcast, Linda.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well,
0: it's very nice to have you. Uh, And you've published a number of articles on upper limb prosthesis use. And uh, I'm anxious to get into this one a little bit more with you here today. Let's start off with, I like to ask our guest, why does this topic interest you?
1: Well, I've been conducting research on innovative prosthetic technologies for persons with upper limb amputation since 2009. I led the VA studies of the DECA arm, and I became very interested in understanding common clinical concerns of persons with upper limb amputation and how these might be influenced by prosthesis use. And because as we introduce newer, more complex technologies, I think it's very important to have a good understanding of the challenges faced by persons using currently available
0: technologies. So what was the motivation for this particular study?
1: Well, this specific study built on a national survey of veterans with upper limb amputation and in the earlier cross-sectional study, which we published in 2019 in PLUS1, we reported that 71% of veterans had contralateral limb pain. Uh, this was point-in-time data or cross-sectional data, and the prevalence of pain that we found in that baseline survey was much higher than was previously reported. And we wanted to understand more about the impact and the severity of contralateral limb pain. There was one earlier study, but it was limited to persons with upper limb amputation from a single state. And that reported that almost a third had contralateral limb pain lasting at least three months or chronic pain. But there were no longitudinal studies that had ever examined the persistence of contralateral limb pain in persons with upper limb amputation. And we suspected that chronic pain was prevalent.
0: And so what was the purpose of this particular study?
1: Well, the study actually had three purposes. First, we wanted to describe the frequency, intensity, and one-year change in contralateral limb pain. Then we wanted to identify the factors associated with contralateral limb pain. And then lastly, we wanted to quantify the associations between contralateral limb pain and important outcomes, such as health-related quality of life and disability.
0: So would you please describe the experimental protocol for your study?
1: Well, we conducted a longitudinal cohort study, which means that we had the baseline survey data, as I mentioned, that was collected by telephone survey. And then about a year later, we conducted a follow-up survey, also collected by
0: telephone. And what were the inclusion-exclusion criteria for your research subjects?
1: Well. This analysis reported in this paper uh, was a subset of the analyses that we conducted in the entire study. For the entire study, we included veterans who had major limb amputation on at least one side, defined as at the risk disarticulation level or above. For this analysis, we limited it to uh, veterans with unilateral upper limb amputation.
0: And so how did you go about collecting data for this project?
1: We collected the data through a telephone survey. We had a number of measures of contralateral limb pain. We asked uh, respondents to the survey if they had contralateral limb pain. And if so, they rated how often they experienced it. And those who indicated that they had any pain, then they were asked to rate the intensity of that pain on a scale of 0 to 10. Respondents were also asked if they had ever been diagnosed with any of nine common conditions of the non-amputated limb, and we measured health-related quality of life using the VR12 physical component scale and mental component scale, and we measured disability using the quick-dash measure of disability of the arm, shoulder, and hand. We also collected a lot of covariates that we wanted to understand their relationship with pain Important things like age, gender, race, Hispanic ethnicity, employment, time since amputation, amputation level, etiology of amputation. We collected data on primary prosthesis type used, as well as the frequency of prosthesis use and the intensity, the history of training. So we had a lot of covariates to uh, try to understand what might be related to contralateral limb pain. And we also asked respondents to tell us about the presence, frequency, and intensity of pain in other locations, including the back, neck, residual limb, and phantom limb.
0: So it sounds like you really collected a lot of data, both on contralateral limb pain, but also, as you mentioned, a number of covariates that may have played into this condition as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. And in addition to this paper, we published several other papers doing a deeper dive into some of the other pain conditions, such as the phantom limb pain and the neck and back pain.
0: So how many research participants did you end up enrolling in your study?
1: Well, for this analysis, we included 776 veterans with unilateral amputation. That was the majority of the Uh, veterans in our baseline survey. And then at one year, we repeated the survey. There were 562 uh, veterans who participated.
0: Yeah. Normally, it seems like in prosthetics and orthotics research, I mean, we're lucky to get 20 or 30 individuals participate in our studies. But, I mean, you had hundreds of subjects participating in this study, which is highly commendable. I'm very impressed with the numbers that you received.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. We really tried to make our survey be generalizable to uh, all veterans with upper limb amputation. And we were lucky in that we're able to identify the universe of all veterans receiving care at the VA who have upper limb amputation.
0: So what were the demographics of your participants?
1: Well, the full sample uh, was 100% veterans. They were 97% men. Uh, about three quarters of white, and the mean age was 63 years. So, on average, they'd had their amputations a long time, about 31 years. And in terms of how they got their amputations, accidents were the most common cause of uh, amputation, followed by combat injury. And 59.4% of the sample were using a prosthesis at baseline.
0: So what were the primary findings of your investigation?
1: Well, as we mentioned, in the baseline survey, the prevalence of contralateral limb pain was 71%. But the sample that came back for the year one follow-up, the prevalence for that group was almost 73% of baseline and about 62% of follow-up. And we found about a third of participants' experienced daily or more frequent pain, and that the pain intensity was moderate. It was 4.9 and 4.8 at baseline in one year out of 10, So moderate pain. And most of the participants in the longitudinal sample reported persistent pain. So almost 60% had pain one year later. Only 12.8% had reported that their pain resolved. And about 11.4% reported that they had contralateral limb pain that was new or that hadn't been reported at baseline.
0: Yeah, whenever I read the paper, which I thought was excellent, by the way, I noticed that you did report a lot of a lot of different data on the uh, the prevalence of the pain and a lot of again the covariates that kind of weighed into all of this. Let's go a little bit deeper here. Uh, your study reported that more than 70% of veterans with upper limb amputation have contralateral limb pain, which seems very high, and more than half had pain that persisted over a 12-month period with no change in pain intensity. This prevalence rate is far greater than that reported in the civilian upper limb amputation population. So I'm just curious, do you have any ideas why veterans with upper limb amputation have a higher prevalence of contralateral limb pain than civilians?
1: Well, I do have a number of ideas about that. I want to tell you a little bit about some of the results of the models. First, the the factors associated with contralateral limb pain, which might uh, help answer your question. So amongst the factors that we identified as being associated with having any pain, those who indicated they had a diagnosis of a musculoskeletal condition on the contralateral side had 4.2 times greater chance of reporting contralateral limb pain compared to those without a diagnosis. And those with neck pain and with residual limb pain had 3.8 and 2.4 times the odds of reporting contralateral limb pain. So obviously having a musculoskeletal conditions that existed and having pain of the neck and the residual limb of the amputated side were associated with pain. We also did find some interesting other factors associated with pain intensity. Uh, that doesn't speak to the prevalence question that you asked, but we noted that uh, respondents with Black race reported higher pain intensity, and uh, younger veterans reported lower pain intensity, as did female veterans. And those using cosmetic prostheses having lower intensity contralateral limb pain. So your question really was, why do we think that we found a much higher prevalence of contralateral limb pain in veterans compared to what's been reported more generally? And I I think in addition to some of the things I alluded to, I would say that the data that we have on civilians with upper limb amputation is limited. And amongst the largest studies on civilians that reported on contralateral limb pain recruited persons from the Amputee Coalition of America. And it's unclear really how those persons compared to all persons with upper limb amputation, given that we don't have a registry of persons with upper limb amputation in the United States. And so we don't have an exact denominator. We can't really compare the characteristics of the persons who responded, recruited that way to all persons with upper limb amputation. So unless we had a national study of civilians, it's really a bit challenging to directly compare. But assuming our findings are true, that veterans do have a higher prevalence, other possibilities include the fact that there's a higher prevalence of musculoskeletal conditions. Uh, The most common that we found in our sample were osteoarthritis, rotator cuff injury, carpal tunnel syndrome. These type of conditions may have resulted from cumulative trauma, either from occupational stresses during active duty or just from overuse injury of the contralateral side. And then the other thing we can note is that prosthesis use rate in our sample was only 59.4%. That's a, a bit lower than is reported generally in the population of unilateral amputees, And our participants were older. And we, we know that neither prosthesis use or age was associated with likelihood of any pain, but they were associated with intensity of pain. So those are all some possibilities of Factors that combine might might have increased
0: the prevalence. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Autobach. The 49th Academy Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium is right around the corner. Autobach is proud to be attending and hosting technical workshops, product previews, free papers, and more. At the Autobach booth, you can also experience microband cranial orthosis scanning demonstrations. For the unique 3D printed cranial solution now available throughout the United States. Don't miss out on all the latest products and updates from Autobach. Visit us at booth 709 or check out our website at shop.autobock.us for more. Welcome back to the broadcast. You said something else interesting along the way. I'd like to, to go back and get your thought on this as well. Uh, you said that the prevalence or the incidence of contralateral limb pain was higher in older individuals than younger individuals, which seems to suggest that these secondary health conditions develop over time after long-term amputation, I guess. That, in fact, they developed and they persist the longer that someone has their upper limb amputation.
1: We actually found that the age group was not associated with likelihood of having any pain. But what we did find was that older age was associated with higher pain intensity as compared to younger age. So I think to your point that the kinds of problems that may come from cumulative trauma and develop with overuse over time, like arthritis, musculoskeletal conditions, like carpal tunnel, rotator cuff injury, those things tend to get worse with age. And that uh, may contribute to increasing pain intensity. But in terms of the likelihood of having any pain, that we did not notice uh, any difference when we control for all the other variables in the chances of having any pain.
0: Thank you for that explanation. Also, you indicated in the paper that you were initially surprised that cosmetic prosthesis use was associated with lower contralateral limb pain intensity, given that these passive devices require exclusive use of the non-amputated limb for grasping activities. However, in the paper, I thought you offered a very logical explanation for this observation, and I was hoping that you could uh, share that conclusion with the audience.
1: Yes, uh, exactly. We were surprised to see that in our analyses that persons who used a cosmetic prosthesis were reporting lower-intensity contralateral limb pain, but those were amongst those who already had pain. And we we thought that didn't really make sense, but as we thought about it more, we realized that these are not causal relationships, that prosthesis users have a role in selecting the type of prosthesis that they use. And that persons who have really bothersome some contralateral limb pain would be more likely to be prescribed or request and thus to use a functional prosthesis in an attempt to ameliorate the overuse and strain on the non-amputated side. So those who had very severe pain, who had been cosmetic users might be amongst people who are likely to try to change to a more active prosthesis.
0: I was also curious about the prevalence of contralateral limb pain in individuals who didn't use any prosthesis at all. Was the prevalence of contralateral limb pain higher in this group compared to the prosthesis users?
1: Yeah, the short answer to that is no. And you can see that data in the supplementary tables of this paper. Overall, there were 43.4% of persons who did not have contralateral limb pain who did not use a prosthesis as as compared to slightly less, 39.3% amongst those who did have any contralateral limb pain. But that was a difference that's not statistically significant, and thus, we did not include any prosthesis use in our models of, of predicting any contralateral limb pain. Something similar happened with type of prosthesis used, that there wasn't a difference in the bivariate analyses for groups with and without contralateral limb pain. In other words, the type of prosthesis that someone was using did not seem to make a difference in their likelihood of developing any contralateral limb pain. And so neither prosthesis use any or type was included in the models. That said, both of those variables were significant in Predicting the intensity of pain if you had pain. And so they were included in the subsequent models. I hope that answers your question.
0: Yes, it does. Thank you very much. So I realize this study was the largest of its kind, particularly looking at veterans. But do your findings support or refute the findings of previous studies?
1: Well, as we mentioned earlier, we did find a higher prevalence of contralateral limb pain than previously reported. So that was one thing that was different. But we did find some similar things to other studies in that we didn't find an association between the level of amputation and the likelihood of having contralateral limb pain. That's consistent with a finding um, from Berger. She also found no relationship between type of prosthesis use and likelihood of any pain. And that finding, I think, is explained by the fact that the vast majority of people with unilateral upper limb amputation rely on their sound side, regardless of whether or not they have a prosthesis and use it, or regardless of their amputation level. Our finding about the relationship between older age and contralateral limb pain intensity is a bit different than studies of chronic pain in the general U.S. population, those Not specify people with upper limb amputation. Generally, in the U.S. population, as people age, there is actually a lower prevalence of pain in the shoulder, arm, and hand as compared to younger persons, whereas we found that pain intensity increased. And the other finding that was consistent with prior findings was that persons who reported that they were a Black race had reported greater pain intensity and that's a finding that's consistent in studies on race and pain in many different conditions and the the literature does point to some disparities in chronic pain management and pain screening practices by race and is something that uh, we need to be aware of and address
0: did you encounter any notable problems in the course of your study and what would you have done differently
1: I think the study went very smoothly. We had a uh, a strong surveying team where we were able to reach a very high response rate amongst our veterans. And we had a very good follow-up for the one-year longitudinal survey. So we had a good response rate. So I think that the study went very well, and that strengthens the validity of the findings.
0: So, for the benefit of our uh, clinical practitioners listening to this podcast, what are the main clinical takeaways? How can your results be applied to clinical practice?
1: Well, I think the biggest takeaway is that efforts are needed to prevent and treat contralateral limb pain in persons with upper limb amputations. This paper is specifically about the veteran population, but I do think that this applies to all our patients with upper limb amputation we should be screening persons with upper limb amputation for musculoskeletal pain and referring them to appropriate providers to address concerns, and that we should be providing proper prosthetic training early on and at regular intervals and preventative routine care, which might be helpful in preventing the development of overuse of syndromes. Chronic pain in the upper limb really affects a minority of people in the general population. So whether or not The civilian population is 30% prevalence of pain or 50% or 70%. It's still a much larger problem in our population of patients than in the general population, and it it merits clinical attention.
0: I agree. This is a problem that practitioners need to be aware of, and it needs to continue to be investigated. And in fact, do you have any recommendations for future research directions based on your work?
1: Well, I think we need to understand, it takes a long time, I think, for chronic pain problems to develop, but I do think we need to understand the role of prosthetic training and other types of interventions to improve body mechanics and reduce compensatory movements just to improve the way people are doing things. I think we need to understand what role that might have in preventing pain and a development of secondary overuse conditions and arthritis down the line. And I think the finding that we have about the disparities in pain intensity by race is an important one, and I think we need further research to understand if disparities in pain treatment exist in our population and to be addressing them. Because there are both medical and non-medical pain management strategies, and I think it's important for us to be looking at every option. We did find in this study that not only was pain persistent and prevalent, but that it also negatively affected people's quality of life and made them more disabled. So I think that it's not only because people have pain, but the pain is impacting their lives very negatively. And it really merits further research to see what we can do to improve treatment.
0: And finally, I'd like to conclude these podcasts. I wanted to ask you would you like to acknowledge any funding that you received to conduct this study?
1: Oh, absolutely. The, this study was funded by the Orthotics and Prosthetics Outcomes Research Program, the Prosthetics and Research Award, and also by the Department of Veterans Affairs, Rehabilitation Research and Development Service. So without that funding, this research effort, which was large, would not have been possible. I would also like to acknowledge my co-authors on this paper, Matthew Borgia and Melissa Clark, and thank my great study team at the Providence VA for all your efforts. And of course, thank the many, many veterans who participated in the survey and who are helping to grow knowledge and understanding of the clinical conditions and amputation care. Thank you so
0: much. Wonderful. Thank you, Linda, for sharing your insights with us here today. We've come to the end of our podcast, so I'd like to thank Dr. Resnick for sharing her insights and discussing her research with us. I'd like to remind everyone that if you would like additional information on this project, you can access the full article about this study in the Journal of Prosthetics and Orthotics. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of ONP Research Insights presented by the American Academy of Orthodox and Prosthetics. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our episode sponsor, Ottobach. For more information, visit their website at shop.autobach.us. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Please plan to join us again next month for the Academy's OMP Research Insights podcast, when we'll be hosting another author and discussing their recent JPO article. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcast for ONP professionals. OMP Clinical Insiders, a podcast created for conversation on specific areas of clinical care and O&P Rising, a podcast created for emerging professionals in our industry.